to the Life and Journal podcast. My name is Nick. And my name's not Nick. Correct. Your name is not Nick. <laughs> I'm Ian, I guess. I'm joined by the person formerly known as Ian. Yes. Hey, you know what? Maybe you could just have like a, a symbol like Prince. I, I'm working on like it. A, like a dick. Well, I, yeah, I was thinking that or I don't know. Well, you were thinking about dick? Well, I was... <laughs> Well, guys. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, Let's quickly turn I, to the side. I, I mean, I'm sure Dick has popped into my head at some point <laughs> or another, just because because I have one. But so through your ear or like through your nose? Or... Well, you know, <laughs> any orifice work. An orifice is an orifice. It right? is indeed. Yes. <laughs> All right. Now, I, now, no. I will. To I show. will point out. I did not hear anything coming. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, oh Jesus. Anyway. What was the whole point behind the whole symbol thing? Was uh, it just, I don't remember. I mean, it was I know something he did to do for... with his record company, and he was implying that he was, he had no name. He was a slave to the to the record company. So, oh. you know, the symbol was just his way of, his way of saying he has, the record company was trying to steal his identity. Steal really? His, uh, I didn't, I never knew that. Uh, That's interesting. Something to that I mean, effect. It's, it's true, because yeah. record companies did often... You know, yeah, they still do, but I think they they have less power now than they used to. Really, I think they have more power now. No, because people can self-produce and self-release. They, the record companies are then why? I mean, don't th- get me wrong; they're still you know way bigger than they should be, but they don't have anywhere near the power they had in the seventies and eighties. I, I think if like uh, if you're in a small band and you know you've been struggling for you know a couple of years, you're playing bars or whatever, and then you've got a small label comes and approaches you and then say like geffen approaches you which they're they're going to go with a bigger label right because there's more and i'm sure that the bigger labels are going to sign or are going to offer shittier contracts than they say would have maybe 25 30 years ago yeah but i think like everyone offers shitty contracts i'm pretty sure probably like, but you know if you think about this back in the 70s 60s and 70s artists got a much bigger chunk of the of the record sales yeah obviously because there were more record sales and that's what the labels push was record sales. Yeah. Now they get nothing out of record sales, you know. So it's it the industry's changed. I just don't think that you know, you you hear stories um Warner Brothers really screwed over Black Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um as a, you know, uh whatever the record, I can't remember, David Kushner Productions or whatever okay. that signed Kansas. Yeah. He didn't really. He signed them as a for a record deal, but he didn't sign them for their records. He signed them for their publishing rights. Yes, and he took all, all of them, it. Yes, and that's happened to numerous yeah. bands over so, the years. So you know, there are those albums that they released in the eight in the seventies and eighties. They didn't make shit on. No, they're them, making know? nothing on. So, it, but it, I don't think they can get away with that now because, like I said, artists. There's there's a lot more record labels, independent record labels, and artists can self self yeah. uh, release. So the funny thing is, like I know. Like MXPX isn't a big band, right? Obviously, but they're a they're not a small band either. I mean, they've had you know hits, they've been on the radio, they've had you know chart not chart topping, but they've got had multiple albums that have charted. They've got you know several gold albums, things like that. And Mike Herrera, who is their you know he's their lead singer, he also writes all their songs. Front man, basically. Yeah, but he does he writes all their songs and all that. So he posted a picture, I think I was on Instagram, maybe a month or so back, of the check that he got, his monthly check from Spotify uh-huh. for their streaming rights. And I want to say it was like 17 cents. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. 
I mean, it's like if you think people are getting rich off of streaming music, no, you're not. fucking crazy. Well, see, that's that's the new record deal. That's the new, the new shitty side of the, of yeah, the, industry, of the industry because you know, Spotify, Apple Music, all those places are making a fortune off of the artists. And the artists aren't getting shit out of it. See, but that's, it's, it's really nothing new, though, because before... No. So I didn't really know this until recently. So I was looking into, like... Uh, I was trying to see if there were, like, record clubs and stuff that still existed. Right. Or CD clubs or anything like that. And I started to look into the background of BMG, because they were one of the big ones. Them and Columbia right. House were, like, the big, the big clubs. And what I didn't know until I started researching it is... BMG, the reason that that them and Columbia House were able to do the whole like ten CDs for a penny, right, is because the way that their rights were set up with the record labels, they were able to print their own albums mm-hmm. and not pay the artists. Oh, so yeah, so that's why if you go and if, if you, like I I bought a a used record uh, within the last week or two. And uh, I don't know, surprise, surprise, you know. Yeah. <laughs> right. But on the back of it, it's it's got a BM, you know, made by BMG. Right. So that's why I, was, I didn't really think about it until then. I was like, wow, there, th- there's a lot of those out there yeah, that there I are. see. That's like if you scroll through Discogs, it's like uh, you know, club album and have listed next to it. Right. And yeah, that's exactly it. They're they're printing their own albums. They're printing their own CDs. And because of the licensing agreement, they're able to, like I said, not pay. The yeah, artists. Right. So, yeah, all the stuff that BMG, Columbia House sold, the artists never saw a penny of it. Huh. But the funny thing is, Lars and Metallica never sued BMG or Columbia House. No. It wasn't until Napster that uh, yeah. they decided that they were finally getting screwed, I guess. Well, don't get me started on that, but, you know. <laughs> That's a whole topic it in is, and of it itself. Is, uh, yeah. Because um, I don't know. I... I've got mixed emotions about that. Well, I think I, everyone does. Because I understand part of his side of side, you know point of view, but I also think he went way overboard on it. Yeah. You know, but what As, do I know? Yeah. But anyway, that's not what we came here to talk. We no, didn't come at here least to talk it's about, music oriented that we yeah. got our side little side. Well, we started talking about talking about penises at first. So that's, oh yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. well skin flute, I guess, but. <laughs> I guess it depend, depends on how it's played, man. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but anyway. Uh, <laughs> so in the past, we've done uh, a lot of these like top 10 lists. Mm-hmm. I should say a lot. We've done several of them. I know we did what uh, top, we did top albums of the 70s. I know we did, we just earlier this year did the top 10 mob movies. Um, What else we do? We did top. Well, we did Mo- movie, John, movies of the two thousands. Two thousands. We did. I think we did music of the seventies and eighties. Yep. In in some nineties. I think we did nineties also. Yeah. So um, so this time we're going to move into the two thousands. We're going to do the top ten albums of the two thousands. And when I say two thousands, I mean the last twenty years. Right. I think for much of the twenty teens, music has kind of sucked. But yeah, it's been. Well, I, I, I wouldn't say it sucks, but it's like it. it I don't even know how to explain it. It's. I won't say that music sucked. I will say that going into it, I was like, oh, we can't do just the 2000, 2000 to 2009 and then 2010 to 2020 in like separate episodes. I was like, we'll just combine them. Right. And then I started like going through my list and I was like, oh, yeah, I got to put that album on there. 
Oh yeah, I gotta put that one on there also. Okay, maybe the two thousand teens or tens really hasn't been that. To be fair, music. my my list is mostly pre two thousand ten, mostly. I've got. I mean, mine's mine's pretty mixed. Mm-hmm. I've got several. I would say probably half my list is. It's probably half and half. Close I, to I guess I'd have to really break it down, but so normally, normally what we do in these is, you know, we'll kind of talk about a bunch of different uh, uh, albums, and then we'll make a combined top ten list. Uh, Ian and I have very differing music opinions. Once you get into newer stuff, yeah, yeah, our older stuff we're pretty uniform on, but not this stuff. So no, there was like no. no way in hell that we could put a ten t- a top ten, 10 list. We might we might agree on we, I, I guarantee we would agree on one album. Right. The rest of it would be like a three hour argument. So, <laughs> <laughs> which you may de- not want to listen to. I wouldn't say three hours. We could we'll probably after about an hour and a half to two hours of just arguing one album, we'd probably be like, okay, right, that's enough. Give I'll give up. Um, so we, we're going to do our own lists. Yes. And we're going to present them individually. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I. I I'm going to kind of go through, we'll, I figure we'll go through like some honorable mentions that we have first, and then we'll kind of go through the list, okay? Sure. So my first one that I had like as an honorable mention, it was one that I originally had in my top 10 list, and I actually had pretty high on it when I, because when I first started making my list, I did it off my head. You know, just off the top of my head, just kind of wrote down some albums, and then I started going through my music app, and I'm like, well, shit, I got to put that on there. Well, shit, I got to put this on there. All right, well, now I got to bump things off of my list. So I started, so... Uh, Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory, which is a fantastic album, it came out in uh, October of 2000. I definitely had like, I would say in the you know five, six, seven range somewhere on the on my list originally, but it's a, it's an album that really kind of I think redefined what rock was going to be through that first part of the 2000s. Because it had the it had the the rock elements, it had the you know the the faster tempo that brought in some of the the pop punk kind of music into it also it also incorporated some rap and hip-hop into their music mm-hmm. it was kind of like a hodgepodge and i think you definitely saw that kind of change because prior to that it was still kind of the grunge was getting old the alternative scene was kind of getting old at that time so i was looking for something new and different and i think lincoln park kind of came through and really kind of like i said kind of revolutionized what music was going to be through that first kind of time period right what was one that you had on there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't have my honorable mentions in any particular order. Uh, well, neither so, do I. I just have them on there. So, I mean, we can do a more very recent one, Pearl Jam's Gigaton. It's Gigaton, I think, is a good album. It's. Yeah. I think it definitely is more reminiscent to some of the early, not necessarily like 10 and Versus kind yeah. of Pearl Jam, but I think it was like... It's a progression from their 2000s stuff. Yeah, you know? I, I think it's definitely better than some of the stuff. Not, I wouldn't say better, but it's... I, it's, I, a, it's... I, I think that... I, okay, I, I think it's overall a better album than some of the stuff that they've put out in the last, like, 10 to right. 12 years. And not not to say the stuff that they put out before wasn't good, because right. it had some... Some of the, those albums have some great songs on it. I think Gigaton overall, I think, has a better... It's it's really good. It. It's, it is a good yeah. album. Because I, I just went through and did a Pearl Jam, I don't know what you call it, marathon or whatever. Yeah. Um, where I didn't listen to anything but Pearl Jam for like a week, a little over a week. And, yeah, I mean, it's it would it would be difficult for me to say that Gigaton is better than all those other albums. Mm-hmm. But I think it has the benefit of being brand new. Yeah. So that's kind of why it's on my okay. yeah. I got you. So. 
Uh, one the the another honorable mention I had was uh, is also an album from the early two thousands. Uh, it's indestructible by Rancid. It's it's probably Rancid's second best album. And if you don't, by the way, if you don't know me, <laughs> I am, which you don't, <laughs> I, well, some people that listen to the show do know. Oh, me. maybe. But I'm a I I like a lot of you know punk and ska and things like that. So that's kind of the lens that I look at music through. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I'm also you know a big classic rock fan and things like that. But when it, definitely when it comes to newer music, I that's kind it's of the sky, yeah, yeah, it's kind of a lot of punk and ska. So definitely like when it comes to Rancid, Rancid's one of those classic. Like newer, when I say newer, it's not like a '70s punk band, but they're, you know, in that in that newer wave uh, of punk music, and um, it's it's definitely a, I think it's their best album since "And Out Come the Wolves." Okay, and it's probably I think the last like really great punk. And Brands is the, one of those. There was a lot of those punk bands that came out in the mid nineties and, and really kind of made it big and become kind of became kind of popular around the same time. And Rancid's kind of the, they're the last of them. They're everyone else has kind of gone away or and, altered their music or altered their music. Yeah. 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 I, I like, I like Rancid. I like outcome the wolves. I don't think I'm familiar with too much of indestructible. Yeah. Indestructible is a fantastic album. Yeah, I'll have to give it a, a listen. So. What you got there, Chachi? Uh, well, Joni, I've got uh, 13 by black Sabbath. Oh yeah, that's one I came out in 2013. Obviously, it's the first album that Sabbath made with Ozzy since 1979. Was it 79? 78. Yeah, 78. Uh, They they did a reunion album, which was live. They did record two songs. Maybe maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But I mean, they just recorded two new songs. So this was a whole new album. Uh, I believe it was produced by Rick Rubin. So Mm -hmm. it's like you know. It was amazing how well they they came together and just it was like they they've been playing for it's like they never broke up yeah in my opinion it was better than any of their last couple albums together in the seventies yeah which were yeah their last couple albums were definitely very forgettable I think well there's there's good things about them but there's a lot of bad things about them too Um, I don't think they knew where they were going they didn't know what they wanted to be at that point yeah you could definitely tell there was. An end coming, yeah, or some some kind of big some, shift, yeah, whether was coming, you know, yeah. which we now know was you know Ozzy going and yeah. doing his own thing, yeah. But yeah, thirteen is if you like hard rock metal and you're a Sabbath fan, or if you're an Ozzy fan, even it's you know fantastic, yeah. Which I really enjoyed his 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 album. That well, came we'll out get what, to that year. too. Yeah, you got that on yeah, there. We'll get to that too. Um, so the next one I have on my list is another album that I had in my top ten, and. I had to bump for things that, even though I love this album and I think it is their best album, it's an iconic album from this band. It's world known. It's got huge popular songs on there. It's uh, "Elephant" by White, White Stripes. It's it came out in uh, two, April two thousand three, and it uh, obviously it's an album that everyone knows. Right. I have it as well, but I and I did originally have it on my top ten, but I had to I bumped it too. Yeah. So. Was there something else you wanted to say about it, or no? no. Um, I actually wouldn't consider it to be their best album, yeah. but it is the the one that got them, kind of catapulted them into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. So that's why I had it on the list because it's it is going to be considered more iconic. My favorite White Stripes album is Icky Thump, but, yeah. which um, is also a great album. Yeah, I, I think it's better th- by far than Elephant, but better than any of their other albums. But yeah. up to. As just as White Stripes, I think Jack White's done better even beyond yeah. that. But 
What you yeah. got? Uh, well, I'll cross that one off because that was on my honorable mention. We don't have to mention that now. Um, <laughs> well, we you just did. Well, we, we both did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about uh, Swagger by Flogging Molly? It was their first... Uh, their first studio release. Flogger Molly is one of those bands that I just don't really think of a whole lot. Right. Right? They're a really fantastic. They're saw, really good. Yeah. I saw them live in concert last year, and they put on a fucking hell of a show. Yeah. They're, and Swagger is, like I said, it's their first album. So, again, it's kind of, I think most people what might. What year did that come out? 2000. You know? oh, okay. Um, I think a lot of people might go to Float or yeah. Drunken Lullabies is, like, more iconic for them. But for me, it was, when I was getting, when I became aware of them i i went into their their music from the beginning yeah just started started at the beginning so swagger was the first album that i listened to of theirs mm-hmm. so for me it's got that it's the first it was yeah. and there's a lot of great tracks in there that i think probably still find their way into the uh live sets and stuff mm-hmm. like that so yeah they, like i said i mean I, it's it was a band that I never, before I saw them live, obviously I knew who they were and I'd listen to some of their music, mm-hmm. but I, I definitely got, I, I definitely felt more of a connection to their music after seeing them live and really, I, I, I don't know, I enjoy their music more now right. than what I did Well, before. and then the thing is, is they've got that, that Irish, like, punk element to them. They're very, but like. But they're not as, they're different than drunk, than Dropkick Murphy's. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a. A distinction, whereas sometimes, like with pop bands or punk bands, I would say they're definitely similar. Or ska bands. bands, sometimes they're similar, but you know, you listen to them, you're like, well, there's, there's obvious differences, but they, there's say less differences than our similarities. Yeah. Flog, Flog and Molly, I feel like has more like the folk, yes. Irish, whereas Dropkick Murphys has more of the punk kind of edge yeah, to the it, harder edge yeah. perhaps. And I guess I don't know how many members of Dropkick Murphys are literally were literally born in Ireland. None, <laughs> right? So you know they're they're American Irish, whereas I think I don't, at least the lead singer in He's primary from is from Ireland. Ireland, yeah. So a little bit more of a connection, but you're right. It is. I would say it's a little bit more less. We'll say hard edged. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're definitely they, they definitely have an edge to them. I mean, yeah, but not not like Dropkick not Murphy's, not like Dropkick yeah. Murphy's obviously. Dropkick Murphy's are more aggressive. Yeah, right? and that's why I said they've got Dropkick Murphy's has more like the punk edge to them, where Flogging Molly's is more like the folk Irish. Right. Yeah. Even though they're, I would never classify Flogging Molly as a folk Irish band. No, never. No. <laughs> but just by comparison. Yes, just because so. because they are similar bands. Right. But uh, yeah, I saw them open for. Social Distortion last year. Mm-hmm. It was uh, yeah, just a fantastic show. Um, so one that I've got on my list is I don't think I had it in my top ten when I first started making it, but uh, I might have because it's a just a really great album. It's uh, the Ever Passing Moment by MXPX. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it was kind of so MXPX has like this three album set that they did with A and M, and Slowly Going the Bu- Away the Buffalo was a fantastic album. I mean, their album before that, which is Life in General, which I don't think is where I got the name of this podcast from, but I. Might have you un- probably did unintentionally, right? But uh, so yeah, slowly going the way of the buffalo was with A and M, and then ever passing moment, and then uh, before everything and after. There was those like three albums that they did with A and M, and those three albums are, I think, the best three albums that they've done. And I don't know if it's because of A and M's influence. Obviously, maybe there's more money in production, and they're able to. Have better equipment, better producers, and whatnot. Um, and I believe they use the same producer for Ever Passing Moment and Before Everything and After, which Before Everything and After is on my top ten list. That's why Ever Passing Moment is not 
but it's just it's just a fantastic album. I know it's Mandy's. I think it's Mandy's favorite uh, MXPX album, but uh-huh. uh, it's a great album. I remember actually. I remember the day that album came out. It came out in uh, May of two thousand, and I remember like at, I was at work the whole day, and I couldn't wait to get out of work so I could uh, drive to Best Buy and go buy the CD. Hmm. But uh, that's it, man. All right. Uh, I've got less than Jake's anthem from two thousand three. That's a fantastic album. Yeah, it's um, I don't know what it is because it's. I would say a lot of people who probably were into less than Jake in the nineties probably would have stopped by then, would have yeah. given up on them. But I think Anthem is one of those albums that was kind of a turning point mm-hmm. from what they were to maybe what they became. Yeah, not that there was a huge difference. I mean, you listen to some of their new stuff; it, it doesn't. It's not that different. But, yeah. Um. I don't know, just Anthem seemed like a turning point, even more so than, say, Borders and Boundaries, mm. which I think a lot of people, that was their cutoff. Yeah. But, you know, that was in 99, I think, I think 98. So. Yeah. so if you're interested, and if you are a fan of Anthem, I believe the bane of my existence, SRC Vinyl, is going to reissue that. <laughs> right. So which I'm is pre- unfortunate, because I really want that album. Um, so I'm going to try and order it. We'll I, see what happens. I would say... Yeah, order it once it's released. Right. If it's not out of stock. Because I haven't had any issue, correct. I haven't had any issues like ordering in stock things from them. It's only when I like pre-order stuff. stuff. Like pre-order a Blink-182 album in October of last year, and it's August, and it still hasn't been released. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll have that damn thing on order for almost a year before I get it. If you get it. I'll get it eventually. I know that they, last time I talked to them, they said they were having production issues. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I think it's scheduled for, like, August 28th or something. Which I think is also the same time that uh, the um, colored You Prefer an Astronaut albums are supposed to be released. Oh, hello, okay. Mandy. Hello. Can you say hello to everyone? Hi, everyone. She's she's playing maid today, apparently. Thank you for the drink. I appreciate it. <laughs> Mandy's going to be on the podcast next week, aren't you, Mandy? Uh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you then. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm sorry. Was there anything else you were No, just Anthem. It's, okay. uh, like I said, it was kind of a turning point. And I think it was the first, or no, it was the second Lesson Jake CD I purchased. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, after losing streak. Hello Rockview has always been my favorite. Yeah. Again, it, it, a lot of those early Less Than Jake albums, it's kind of tough to find one that's, you know, your favorite or not because they're also really good. But They are. You know. Even Greased, which is, it's the Grease soundtrack. Played by Less Than Jake. Played by Less Than Jake. Yeah. It's just, a, it's fantastic. It's just a but great. But the thing is, is Hello Rockview came out in 90s. Oh yeah. So where's the 2000s list? So yeah, I, I, I know Ian. I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> so that's why I went with Anthem. I'm, I'm, just, over getting, same I'm just getting a little know. sidetracked and wanted to talk about uh, Hello Rock View. Okay. Perhaps save that for another show. Maybe or save that for a uh, vinyl den. Yeah, very very true. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, I should talk about my little uh, my seven inch box set on one of those episodes. There you go. Maybe it's a good uh, solo Thursday topic. Yeah. Um, so my next album was it's it's. A newer one. It's from 2017. It's uh, Is This the Life We Really Want by Roger Waters. So I I have never been a fan of David Gilmore or Roger Waters' solo stuff. Mm. 
Like some of David Gilmore's, like I say, I like some of his, some his of his stuff. early, so some of the stuff off his like first album or two from the late seventies, early eighties. Last 80s. album was really good. Well, that's what I was gonna get yeah. to. Is it was really good, and then it was, uh, yeah, he off his. I think his last album was a lot better than yeah. some of the other stuff he's done. But Roger Waters has had some real shit music, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I, I think he he takes a lot a, a certain pretentious approach to his his stuff well i think he has gone through everything post pink floyd any of his solo stuff i think he's always kind of approached it like he was doing the wall right it was okay let's we're gonna do a theme and here's the story and uh you kind of did that with with floyd though too well yeah well it worked with them it did not work with his solo work and so when he went into doing recording, is this life we really want? I don't remember who the producer was for the album, but he kind of went into it with Roger Waters. and was like, look, you know, you need to put all that shit aside mm-hmm. and let's just focus on creating good music. Mm-hmm. And this album, I mean, it's made by a guy who's in his freaking mid-70s, right. is a fantastic fucking album. I would put it, I mean, it's definitely head and shoulders above anything that any solo member of Pink Floyd has done. Which, really just three of them, technically Four two. of them. All four of them have released solo albums. Yeah, well, shows how much those other artists I were yeah. aware of, you yeah, know. I know. I know, I was going to say three, because it's, I know um, Dave Mason has, but. Nick Mason. Nick, yeah, yeah, Nick Mason. And so. Richard, Richard Wright has, too. Has he? Yeah. Well, not anymore. Well, no, he's dead now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Sid Barrett has either, hasn't either. Either right. Oh yeah, I forgot about him. He did do a solo. Yeah, album, didn't he, 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 two. he did two of them yeah. or three of them. Yeah. But, so yeah, nothing recently though. <laughs> no, nothing since nineteen seventy-two, Ian. Right. <laughs> he's get working on that. <laughs> Jesus. Time's a wasting. I mean, yeah. I mean, Tupac's released seventy-five albums since he's been done. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> well, in uh, Coltrane. Yeah, How many albums is Coltrane yeah, released? John Coltrane's kids are really milking that, yeah, that mil- milking that thing, you know, yeah, beating that dead horse. I think they actually, Literally. you know, I think he just released another album like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I, every about once a month. But it seems like Coltrane. there's a new Coltrane. Yeah. So I mean, but you know, that's a, that's the thing with with like the old jazz musicians. I mean, they would record so much session work, right? And I mean, I'm sure there's like thousands of un- unheard. Coltrane songs out there. Speaking of older music, uh, I was in Dearborn Music last weekend, and they had the complete works of Robert Johnson on vinyl. Really? Yeah, it was like seventy-five bucks. New or used? I don't know. It was on the. It might might have been used, but it was on the end. Uh, the end, like closest to where the DVDs are. I'd have to look at it. Was it the? If it was seventy-five dollars, it wasn't the the. I'd have to look and see because there there's variant variant versions of songs, so it'd be like, it could be the entire collection, but then there's another like bunch of albums that are just reworkings of other songs. No, I think this is the same because I think it's the same one I looked on Discogs a while okay. back, where it was like it had like everything right. on there. Okay, I'll have to take a look at it if it's still there. Because sure I mean, he only he only recorded like forty songs or whatever it was. Yeah, but there's like two versions or three versions of every song. Well, that's what I mean. You yeah. Know. But I definitely want to check that out then. Yeah, well, I, I meant to take. I, I meant to. I meant to take a picture of it and send it to you. But yeah, I got. Uh, I don't know. 
we'll see what happens. But um, I might, oh, it's, it's probably gone by now. But it might be. My next one is "Employment" by the Kaiser Chiefs. I've never listened to that album. That's their first album. Like I've well, heard, their I've first heard album the Kaiser Chiefs, Kaiser but I've never listened to any of them. That album is really good. Is it? They've kind of taken a bit more of a pop turn. Yeah. In recent albums, um, that I'm not sure I enjoy. Yeah. But that album is really good. Yeah. Um, because it's more pop punk, indie, mm-hmm. maybe with a little element of new wave in there. Yeah. Um, and their pop stuff has got a lot of new wave in it, but almost too much, and none of the other stuff. It's gotcha. just kind of, I don't know. I, I, I'm i still working around some of their newer stuff, mm. but th- that album, Employment, is really good. I'll check it out. It was 2005 when that came out. Okay. So, um, My next one on the list, was it's it's another fantastic album. It's another Linkin Park album. It's uh, One More Light, which was released in May of 2017. So this was like, what, a year or less than a year before... Chester killed him. He, did, did he kill himself in 2017 or 2018? I don't remember. It might have been 2018. I think it's 18. It might have been It was after Chris Cornell. Yeah. So it, it it's a really good album. It's one of their better albums. It's probably their third, I'd say their third best album. Behind uh, Hybrid Theory and Meteor, which is their first two albums. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, One More Light, it's a, like I said, it's a great album. If you And once you kind of go back and listen to the album, you kind of hear like... That there was something going on, yeah, you know. But uh, I don't know. It's it's a great album though, definitely hmm. one worth checking out. Um, this one, my next one, I, it kind of it was on my it was on my top ten, but it fell off. Actually, it's one that I had next on my list. I was yeah. going to talk about. Oh, it. we can get that out of the way then. Yeah. Greta Van Fleet's uh, "Anthem of a Peaceful Army" absolutely twenty nineteen. It's a great album. I mean, we've talked about it on the show a bunch of times. Um. I don't know if there's much more to say, but it's a really good album. I, I think it's an album that I think a lot of people knock Greta Van Fleet for the whole, oh, they sound too much like Led Zeppelin thing. I don't Which think Which I think do. is bullshit. Yeah, they, now, are there songs where they sound no. similar? Absolutely. Sure. But there's other songs on that album that are nowhere even close. I would say the, the double EP that was released prior to Anthem of the Peaceful Army has more of a Led Zeppelin feel than Anthem does. It's hard to say. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I get the influence. The influence is there. Absolutely. But, you know, it would be like saying Led Zeppelin sounds too much like Muddy Waters. But but here's you the know, thing. When, Le, when Led Zeppelin was was becoming popular in the late 60s, that was the, the knock on Led Zeppelin was they sounded like, you know, other artists and they were ripping off other artists' music and yeah. ripping off from blues artists and things like that. So, I mean, it's like, Look, I don't care if if you're a, a band that's trying to sound like Green Day, for instance. I don't give a shit. Mm. As long as you're making good music, I don't fucking care. Right. I'm the same way. You know, you're and you're not. It's not. You're not doing covers. You're yeah. not redoing other people's music, even though they did. Uh, well, it, I, it wasn't on that album. It was on their double EP where they redid. Um, oh God, for the life of me, I can't remember. But it was like an old blues song. It was a, just a fantastic cover of it but you know if, if you're a band sounding like another band i don't care because you know what it's 2020 there's no new music right. out there everyone's kind of well, redoing. That we know of anyway yeah, exactly but what i'm saying though is everyone's kind of doing the same thing that other people are doing but they're trying to do it a little differently right and i think greta van fleet was that's what they're doing they're, they're like look we're gonna do this like classic rock kind of feel if you see their live shows it definitely has a 19, 1975 rock yeah, vibe to it. 
And I, and I well, and to, and to be honest, it's it's fresh because it absolutely. hasn't been done in a while. No, and they're doing it great. They're doing right. they're exactly. doing a kick ass job doing it. That's yeah, a it doesn't matter. Song. Like I'm with you. If a good song is a good song, uh, a good record is a good record. Yeah. If it sounds too much like something else, that's you know that is what it is. But you know, unless they're literally ripping off other artists yes. and not acknowledging that that's an influence or something, yes. that's a different story. But that's not happening there, very often. That's no, definitely not happening no, here. No, they're just a really good rock band. Yeah. So yeah, that's on my. That was on my. That was it. Was kind of on my top ten, but I had to bump it. Yeah, it was one I had on my top for, ten. Also, I had know. to move it. Um, so my next one, it's a, uh, it's Generation RX by Good Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Fantastic album. Good Charlotte's one of those bands that I had never really heard of when they were kind of like coming up. And then Mandy and I saw MXPX in Detroit in 2000, I want to say. Uh-huh. And Good Charlotte opened for MXPX. That's how, that goes to show how small Good Charlotte was at the time. And, uh. And they like blew me away during this during the show. And I remember like the next day, Mandy ran out to Meyer or wherever it was to try to find their CDs. I mean, it was uh, so it was kind of cool that we got to listen to them. We got into Good Charlotte before they were like Exploded, this huge yeah. band in the early two thousands. Yeah. And uh, but after their first couple of albums, they definitely fell off. Right. And their next couple of albums were not that great yeah (laughs) and then uh cardiology which came out in like the mid to late 2000s like 2008 9 10 somewhere on there i might be off on the year but it's definitely in the 2000s that was kind of a it was a better album than what they'd done before but it still wasn't fantastic but generation rx was definitely up there with their first couple of albums as far as like quality goes i don't think i had that up on my wall you did last i did i I had up on my wall a couple weeks ago but uh yeah, it's, it's definitely a, it's definitely like a dark kind of alternative rock album for sure. Right, right. So, um, my next one is Kid A by Radiohead from two thousand. Definitely, uh, I think that's really an underrated album. Though. Yeah, and and quite honestly, it's you know there some might argue that In Rainbows might be better, but obviously OK Computer would be better. But that well, was, that was in the nineties. Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely but I think, their you know, best, second best album. Yeah, and going into the 2000s, you know, they've got their other albums are great. You know, In Rainbows is great, and you know, King of Limbs is great, mm-hmm. but um, Kid A just stands out. I in think my it does. Opinion, because it's very, it's kind of different too. It is. I think it's more the transitioning for them into something different than what they've been yeah. say, in the last 20 years. That's rather the, than what they were before. Yeah, that's one of the things that I really like and appreciate about a band like Radiohead, is they have attempted to progress and try to do different things on right. each you know, each subsequent album. And you know what? Sometimes, sometimes it works. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. work, but sometimes it does. And Kid A is definitely an example, an example of, of when it, it definitely works. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So. Uh, my next one is one that I actually do have my, on my wall, Ian. It's, uh, it's from uh, 2010. It's a de- from December 2010. It's uh, Arthur's uh, Watch the Years Crawl By. So Arthur is a side project of MXPX. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of created in the, like, uh, I think their first album was, so their first album, well, I guess it wasn't an album, it was an EP, but it was released in like the late 90s, 99, 2000, somewhere around there. And uh, Arthur was created as kind of as a side project just to kind of get away from a little bit more of the punk stuff and kind of go towards the rock and some little slower music and things mm-hmm. like that. 
And then there was like this 10-year gap where they didn't release anything uh, as the side project. And then that album was released and really they never really said I don't even think I knew about it until like a year or two after it came out. And it's uh it's a fantastic album. It's one of the first albums I was really looking for when I started getting back into vinyl. And it, I didn't even know it was on vinyl until I got on MXPX's website and was like, holy shit. It was like fifteen bucks on the website or whatever. So yeah. it's uh, it, it like I said, it's a great album if you're into like that rock and and that like early two thousands pop punk kind of feel. Definitely, the album is worth checking out. Sure. Uh, my next honorable mention. We have a lot of honorable mentions. Yes, for the we record. do. Um, the next one, a couple ones, I'll try to breeze through yeah, since we're like this one. I'll go fast since too. we're like thirty six minutes on <laughs> the show now. Uh, Yusuf Cat Stevens, Cat Stevens to those from the seventies. Yusuf as he is now. Yeah. Um, his album that came out in two thousand fourteen. Tell him I'm gone. Yeah. I just recently got it on vinyl and because um, I really never listened to it before that, but I've listened to it like I think five times already since mm-hmm. I've had it. I've had it like three weeks, four weeks, five weeks maybe. It's it's so good. It was uh, it's produced by Rick Rubin again. That's another name that comes up a lot when yeah. it comes to Rick Rubin's done a lot of work, a lot of, a work, lot of Brooks' yeah. work, Counting but, Crow, uh, not Counting Crows, but uh, Black Crows and all that stuff yeah, too. Ozzy, yeah. Sabbath. Um, Actually, he was the one that uh, he helped when when he was producing the Black Crows' first album. It was I don't remember what the name was, but it was uh, he suggested changing the name to something very racist. I don't remember exactly what it was though. But uh, the, I think the band was like, no, I think we're just going to stick with Black Crows. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> um, but anyway. Or at least it, I don't know if it was meant to be racist, but it sounded racist. Right, okay. Um, but Tell Him I'm Gone, it's kind of a different album for, for Cat Stevens. It's very kind of bluesy. Yeah. Uh, well, for him, because he's more of a folk artist. But there's a lot of there's a lot of overlap with folk and blues anyway. Um, there's a couple covers on there from some, you know, blues, rock blues artists. But it's a very kind of raw album, which, again, for Cat Stevens is kind of yeah. different. So mm-hmm. absolutely, um, it stands out. If I, I, even though he's not Cat Stevens technically anymore, he's Yusuf, Yusuf. Um, or he goes by Yusuf Cat Stevens, whatever. As far as his catalog, it's all Cat Stevens to me, and I'd say this is probably out of all of his records, this is probably like my third or third. Really, or fourth I'll have to top. check it out. It's, I haven't heard it. Yeah, it's really, really good. So. The uh, the uh, I'll lump my last two like honorable mentions together, just because they're both. I could probably do that too. They're both albums that. So when we kind of when I went into this, when we started making our lists, kind of like the one rule that we were looking at was, you know, let's not have multiple albums from the same artist in the top right. ten. If we were able to put multiple artists in our top ten, both of these albums would be in my top five because they're both fantastic fantastic albums and uh one is warning by green day and the other is nine by blink 182 there i think what? warning was 99 what? oh no you're right it was, it was october it was 2000. 2000 yep you're right sorry god Ian. i i should know that i'm the one who went and bought your copy for you You did yeah. absolutely because i had the day off yeah we were living in the uh apartment, apartment yep. at the time yeah but uh yeah so those are both fantastic albums nine Nine, I think, is more of a like recall to some of those like earlier Blink albums. Like their Untitled album is probably the closest in the Blink catalog, mm-hmm. and uh, which their Untitled album uh, is is definitely on my top ten list. Mm-hmm. But uh, and, and as far as like Warning, war- I think Warning is definitely one of, of Green Day's 
best albums. Mm-hmm. It, and it was definitely a, a a change from what they had done be- from before. It was a transition album. It was absolutely yeah. a transition album, but it was still a great freaking album. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's one that I wasn't a big fan of for a long time. It's my second favorite of theirs. Yeah. So. Uh, I've, I've definitely come around more to it over the last year And up so. until one that is on our, the one that's on our list, it was my favorite, yeah. you know, for, yeah. for the long time. Um, in fact, I'm surprised I, I was just one that got overlooked for my, uh, my... Yeah, I thought the, yeah, the one that's on my list, I think, is the obvious choice. The obvious choice, exactly. Mine, too. Because I think that's the only one we're going to agree, agree yeah. on, that, at least in the top ten in general. Uh, but, yeah, warning, definitely. Because Green Day is, to me, what I guess Blink is to you, as far yeah. as, you know. I'm not as much into Blink as you are, but I... Green Day, I'm very much into. Yeah, so, they got a lot of great music, and definitely yeah. Warning was definitely one of their better albums. Better albums, absolutely. Um, I'll just do my last two. They're very different albums, but they're uh, Kula Shakers, Pilgrim's Progress came out in 2010. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what what it is about the album. There's nothing really overly special about it. It is slightly different from their earlier stuff because they did break up for a while, and they came back and they did an album called Strange Folk. And then, uh, which is mostly just songs that they had re- written before they broke up, but then recorded when they got back together. Mm-hmm. And then Pilgrim's Progress was, you know, a straightforward, like, let's, sorry, let's work on our next album. So it was all music written for that. And it's very different from some of their other stuff, very mild and light. Um, and then Spock's Beard's Oblivion Particle, which mm-hmm. came out in 2015. After Neil Morse left, basically, he, he created Spock's Beard, but he left and said, you guys do yeah. the, you guys carry on. you guys do what you want it's yours um and they did for so for several years as they were but eventually the the guy who took over singing was also the drummer he left and did his own thing he actually went and uh, became a, a member of the house band for uh, Cirque du Soleil oh okay and he did some session work with Tears for Fears and a bunch of other bands but anyway the Cirque du Soleil thing was kind of a, a Gig. I think it was the Las Vegas gig. Okay. So they, it was a regular job. Uh, yeah. I so that's why he left. But he was also the lead singer um, after Neil Morse left. So they brought in Ted Leonard from another band called Enchant. This was the second album with him. And the reason I picked this one over the first album was because for some reason, I think they were finally kind of finding their way yeah. once they brought him in. It takes time. But the first album that he plays on, Neil Morris wrote a couple songs. So okay. it's it's like I don't want to pick that one because I want to say that it's them finding their way without Neil Morris. Yeah. You know. So Oblivion Particle is them finding their the voice. A bit more of their their sound, you know, that's different from what it was when Neil Morris was there, but also kind of more unique to from what they were in between. Yeah. Because they didn't really know what they wanted to be. As far as a I get progressive rock band or rock band or whatever, so uh, so those are my last two honorable mentions. All right, well, you want to jump into your list, man? Give sure. me your number ten there. My number ten is Blunderbuss by Jack White from 2012. It's his first solo album. It's a great album. Yeah, it's a fantastic album. Um, I don't know what I could say about it. It's his first solo album. It's unique. It's different from the White Stripe stuff, but there's it's still got his signature guitar playing and, mm-hmm. and lyrics and you know it's i don't know i love that album i can listen to it I, every day yeah. you know it's one of those kind of albums um my number 10 it was uh is uh sing loud sing proud by dropping murphy's released mm-hmm. in uh february 2001 <clears throat> um it's the it's the band's third album 
they had gone through kind of a pretty big lineup change prior to this album. And it was definitely like a, I, I think a, a definitely a change from the first couple of albums. It was a, a progression and it's, it definitely, it just has a, uh, an overall different sound. Even though I, I do love the first couple of albums, it's uh it, it just, uh, it, it, I think it's really, it's got some like notable, like folk Irish folk songs that they redid, uh, Rocky road to Dublin and wild Rover, mm. both fantastic songs. And they're kind of staples in their live sets also that they still do today. Right. But, uh, yeah, for Boston is the opening track of the album, and that's notable because that is actually Boston College's fight song. Oh, yeah, so it's cool. For Boston's a great song, Rocky Road to Dublin, uh, Heroes from Our Past, Forever, The New American Way. Those are all like great songs off that album. Yeah, it is a good album. So, uh, my number nine is Ordinary Man by Ozzy 2020, which we we did mention earlier. We did mention earlier. Yeah. Um, it's probably it could arguably be his best album, his best solo album. I'm not sure if I if it would be my personal favorite, but I think if I was being objective about it, it's it's probably close to being his best album ever. I I'll say that I didn't have high expectations for the album. After 13 from Sabbath, I thought you know maybe because I would say that his last solo album before this one, which was Scream, uh, was not a great it wasn't a great album it was a good album but it wasn't a great album um some would argue that black rain was his worst album i don't i I totally disagree with that i think that was probably closer to some of his older stuff Mm -hmm. than um say uh down to earth or osmosis but um yeah ordinary man is just it's a great album. it's a great album i don't know i you know all of his health issues and everything else there's something personal about it it's got everything you want. And Elton John's on the fucking yeah, album. It's, that's so, kind of it's weird. such a weird <laughs> weird combination, but you know I'm so um, I'm so glad that Post Malone introduced the world to Ozzy Osbourne. I know, I know. Because we wouldn't have Ordinary Man if he didn't. So uh, <laughs> But anywho, uh yeah, Ordinary Man by Ozzy is my number nine. Yeah. For the two thousands. Uh my number nine is The Young and the Hopeless by Good Charlotte. It's uh, their second album. It was released in October of two thousand two. Um you know, it really kind of like builds on the success of their first album. And it was really the Young and the Hopeless that really like catapulted Good Charlotte in the like mainstream mainstream yeah. stratosphere. Yep. I mean, they were one of the biggest bands in the world there for a year or two. And you know, it's funny though because the the album got pretty mixed reviews, and uh, critics were not a big fan of this album. And uh, yeah, what do they know? I know that. <laughs> and uh, you know, they said that a lot of the lyrics were were cliched and things like that. But despite all that, I mean, the album went triple platinum. So, I mean, it definitely sold pretty well, especially in 2002. That's kind of near the, the end of that, of, well, of anything, rock being accepted. Well, well, but I was saying like Napster and all that stuff. Oh, to, yeah, you yeah. Know, tri- triple platinum album at that time you know, is, is pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, the album had, uh, you know, several big crossover hits and things like that. But, uh, you know, Lifestyles of Rich and Famous, The Anthem, uh, girls and boys are all they're all fantastic songs on the, off that album mm-hmm. my number eight is dirty diamonds by alice cooper from 2006 that's an album that i don't think i've ever really listened to it's the in my opinion it's the best album he's made hands down since the original alice cooper band really yeah because it's more in tune with it's lyrically what alice is 
anyway, you know, solo, whatever. But musically, it's kind of more in tune with that early Alice sound. Yeah. Um, it's just uh, every song on that album is awesome. And don't get me wrong. When I say that, I'm not shitting on the other albums in any way. It's just to me, when I first heard it, I'm like, wow, this is like this album could have been released in 1974. Yeah. You know, this could have been the follow up to Muscle of Love. Oh, check it out. You know. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I would say if you haven't checked that out for sure. My, uh, my number eight is, uh, did I have it? I had it on my wall. It's not up there right now, but it's, it's, uh, the knife by Goldfinger. So Goldfinger is like a older, they're a nineties ska punk band. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so the knife, it was released in July of 2017. It's actually the seventh studio album from Goldfinger. And it was their first album after a nine-year hiatus. I mean, the so the what they'd done earlier, you know, they the band basically broke up, mm-hmm. and it Goldfinger reformed as a supergroup. So you had obviously John Feldman, who's been their lead singer and guitarist, and is now a world-renowned producer. Also, um, actually, he produced the last two Blink One Eight Two albums. But anyway, uh, so it's John Feldman on guitar and. Uh, in lead singing you got uh philip sneed which is uh he's from the story of the year uh plays uh i, I think that's uh yeah the, he's the the guitarist from uh story of the year which is a band i've never listened to but I, i've heard of him before yeah it's mike carrera from mxpx on bass and then travis barker from the drummer from blink too so he forms this like super group and the funny thing is like the knife was supposed to come out in 2012 it didn't come out until 2017, and uh, it, it it had the had, the band at that time was not the super group. It was actually they I don't remember who was in the in with them at that time, but they recorded a track called "Am I Deaf," and was released in May of 2013. And they actually the new group re-recorded that song for the knife. But it's uh, if you're a fan of ska, it's a, definitely a fun album. It's a great album. I think it's definitely the best work that Goldfinger has done in any form. Just a, it's just a great album. Hmm. I'll have to check it out because I'm not familiar with it. Uh, where are we at? Number seven? Number seven. Uh, my number seven is Scarlet's Walk by Tori Amos from 2002. Um, with her, after she signed with Atlantic Records, I believe in 86, 87, yeah. um, with a band. Not It wasn't... The band was called Why Can't Tori Read. The album came, they did an album, self-titled. Um, it did not do very well. She was still obligated to do, I think, five more albums with them. It was like yeah. a six or it was a, it was a huge record deal. Yeah. So what she did was she basically did a solo piano album, which was Little Earthquakes. It came out, was huge. She won a Grammy for it and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, by time 2002 came around, she had basically used done all the albums she needed to with Atlantic and was very eager to get out from under that that contract so Scarlet's Walk was the first album she did with Epic Records Mm -hmm. um and I don't know it was I guess no longer a period of time in between her her recording process she's usually pretty good about putting out an album every two years or so but for some reason it's like this had been this was like the, the little earthquakes of their next era. Yeah. Very different, but also just kind of personal. 
um, a lot of the critics called it pretentious. I don't see what the fuck they're talking about. It was less pretentious than some of our earlier stuff, but what the fuck do they know? Yeah, exactly. Um, but huge. It was hugely popular. And it's a great album. It's it's my favorite Tori Amos album. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've listened to any of her albums more than I've listened to that mm. one. I don't think I've listened to any. If you were to combine all the times I've listened to all her other albums, because I put this on at work, and it was basically in the player for like five months. And we <laughs> That's to hilarious. It every day, um, from like 2002 on. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Scar- Scarlet's Walk by Tori Amos. It's really good. I wouldn't call it a concept album, but there are themes. Mm-hmm. Continue, you know, um, overlapping themes yeah. to the songs, and this was post. This is all written post two thousand one, you know, nine eleven. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, soul searching in terms of what America is or should be relative to that. Makes sense. So probably a very common theme in those early in, in albums. Those early yeah, days. a lot of times, and you know, she's a very introspective or contemplative songwriter anyway, but. Um, so yeah, there's but it's it's strictly about America and kind of Scarlet's Walk is that's where the concept comes in. I guess Scarlet's Walk is their journey across America. Yeah. That was and that's your number seven. That was my number seven. Yep. The funny thing is, Ian, about number seven is number seven on my list is also a female artist, and it's the only female artist on my on my list. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> that was not done intentionally. No, it wasn't. So my number seven is a band that I recently came across and they've been around for a long time since 2007 the band's been around Mm -hmm. it's uh death in venice beach by the bomb pops Mm -hmm. and it's another one that i had on my shelf that is no longer up there yeah but uh so it the this album was just released it was uh, march of this year is released it's uh it's their second album like i said the the band formed in 2007 they didn't release their first album until Fear of Missing Out came out in 2017, which is also a fantastic album. And then uh, I, I really enjoyed it. It was, and then Death in Venice Beach is, it's definitely like a throwback to a lot of those like 90s punk, 90s punk albums. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that aren't fans of the Bomb Pops because they think they're too commercial and they're too. You get that with it, all, yeah, a lot of it's, bands. It's overproduced. But I'm like, look, I was talking to somebody not too long ago about it. And I'm like, look. Look at and out come the wolves. You mean to tell me that Time Bomb isn't like a a, a poppy? I love that song. <laughs> and that's, that's a fantastic song. Yeah. I don't give a shit, you know. And, and Rancid by no means is like a pop punk band. No, no. And uh, I think the Bomb Pops. I think because they're they're both their lead singers are female. I think they, they get kinda, a shit. For they that. get shit for that. Yeah. But it's uh, I I think. I mean, like I said, it's a it's an incredible album. It's a great album from beginning to end. I think the the whole COVID pandemic has definitely hurt it because it came out at the beginning of you know, like I said, it was March. Yeah. And late March and early into early April, they were supposed to have like a whole series of record Shows. record release parties. Oh, okay. And yeah. I was going to go to the one here in Michigan, and of course, everything shut you know, down. Everything yeah. with the shutdown, everything got canceled. But it's uh, it's interesting, like the. Death in Venice Beach. It's obviously I don't know if you know the book, but Death in Venice is is the, is a a book by uh, Thomas Mann, and it's actually one of the lead, one of the lead singers. That's her favorite book. So it's kind of the Death in Venice Beach is definitely it's, it's a an play. homage to that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, 
like I said, it's a great album beginning and uh, Dearly Departed, Double Arrows Down, Notre Dame, Sad to Me, uh, 13 Stories Down, House on Fire. Those are all just like great, incredible songs off that, off that album. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely check that out. If you're a punk fan, pop punk fan, it's, it's, it's one that you should check out for sure. You, you've mentioned them so many times. Sorry, I hit the mic. Um, and I keep saying I need to listen to this and I just I keep forgetting to, but it's definitely one I have to check yeah. out. So what you got for number six, man? Number six is The Crane Wife by De- The Decemberists. Never heard of it. You've heard of The Decemberists. I've heard, I've heard of the band, but I've never yeah. heard the album. The Crane Wife I, came I out. Should, I should say, I should, shouldn't say I've never heard of it. I have never heard the album. Right. Um, came out in 2006. It's, it was a hit for them. It was kind of yeah. like their big hit. I think, I, I want to say some of their releases that come after that have actually sold better and maybe been arguably more better well-received, but... Um, I don't know. Crane Wife was the first album I, I heard of theirs. They have a very unique musical style, not just in sound, but also in what drives their, their songwriting mm-hmm. in terms of there's a certain level of theatric, the, theatricality to the songs, but also for some reason, I don't know if this is intentional or what, but they're, they like to hit like historical, almost period piece type songs. Yeah. So even though the music is modern, the songs are about a lot of historical things or period type settings. And yeah. uh, I don't know the crane wife. It's, they say it's a concept. Album. I'm not really sure what the concept is uh, above and beyond the crane wife, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I feel like there's a lot of concept albums like that. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's an album that, you know, it's just awesome. Um, like I said, it was the first album of theirs I ever listened to. If it, if you can if I listen to if I come across an artist and I listen to an album, whatever album it is, whether it's their first album or whatever, this wasn't their first album. But it, if it's the first the first album I listen to, if I go further and listen to other stuff, that album's got to be pretty good. Yeah, I'm pretty picky. So no, not you. You're right. <laughs> so that being said, you know the Crane Wife got me into the Decemberists and. Uh, it's an album I go back to. It was one of the it was one of the first albums, vinyl records I bought when I started re recollecting. Yeah, I think it was maybe even the second or third mm. I ever bought. You know, getting back yeah. into it. So, yeah, Crane cool. Wife, two thousand six. Check it out. Um, so my number six is it's a it's another side project, and it's uh, when your heart stops beating by plus forty four. So. Plus 44, it's a side project of Blink-182. It was, uh, the album was released in November 2006. So this is, uh, Plus 44 was formed by Mark Hoppus and Travis Barker, so the bassist and, and drummer from Blink. Mm-hmm. And this was put together after Tom had kind of left the band to kind of fo- focus on Angels and Airwaves. And it's, uh, it's another gem that's produced by, I mean, Jerry Finn is all over a lot of that, like, pop punk music from the early 2000s he, he produces album it's a fantastic album but it's uh it's i think it's it's a departure from some of that like poppier kind of like sophomore humor kind of stuff that was really kind of throughout a lot of the early like blink albums uh, this the plus 44 album is something completely different right and it's uh it's it's, it definitely has like darker tones to the album while still being a very like upbeat kind of album. And it, uh, it's something that I wish. So after Blink released, so Tom rejoins the band, they, they released Neighborhoods 
And then after Tom left the band or fired, whatever happened, I kind of originally was hoping that they would kind of revisit Plus 44. This album is, I would put it up there. If you're a fan of Blink-182, it's an album you should definitely check out. Mm -hmm. I I put this album up there with some of the best Blink-182 albums. It's that good. Um, It's, it's, it, it just, I don't know, it's just very different, but it's. Not, uh, it's, it's kind of hard right. to explain, but uh, yeah. kind of like Foxborough Hot Tubs is to Green Day, yeah, yeah, kinda, yeah, exactly. you know, it's Green Day, but it's not quite Green yeah, Day, yes, exactly. So. But uh, yeah, definitely some of the better work, I think, that it's some of the best work that I think Mark Hoppus has done by himself. Hmm. Okay, where are we at? Number five, number five, we're in the top five, awesome. Uh, Hard Candy by Counting Crows from 2002. I it's obviously not my number one Counting Crows album. Yeah. That would probably be Recovering the Satellites. Mine too. But um, Which is up on my on wall. wall yeah. Uh, however, it is, we've kind of mentioned a lot of transitional albums, and I think Hard Candy is one of those transitional albums of what Counting Crows was before it and what it would be after it. Yeah. Uh, more so even than This Desert Life, which... I think is probably more in tune with what it, August and everything after. However, yeah, uh, kind of Hard Candy is a great album. It, it, every, it is. Song, every song on it is good. Um, and it is a transitional album because there are things going on in that album that are very different from what they did before. And they really, some of it they haven't done since. So mm-hmm. it, it's almost unique even within their catalog. So I don't know. It's, uh, as far as their 2000s efforts, which isn't much, it's only three albums, four yeah. albums if you count the cover album, uh, it's, it's definitely their best. Yeah. So. My uh, my number five is another uh, It's another side project. Well, I guess it's not really a side project anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's one that, it's an album that uh, I had on my uh, turntable when you walked down here. Yeah. It's uh, I Empire by Angels and Airwaves. And it's, Real uh, quick, I just got to ask, out of your top ten... How many connections to Blink-182 are there? <laughs> this last one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> because you said no doubles. I have zero doubles even in my... my I, I have zero doubles also. You know, I, I think the most I have is just the fact that Jack White is in three of the albums that I've, I've picked. But other than that, everything else is completely individual. And so you've got so like, is mine. Yeah, but you've got Blink-182 running through everything. No, I don't. <laughs> I've got... Blink I've got one album by Blink One Eight Two. I've got one album by Angels and Airways, and one album by Plus Forty Four. That's it. They're separate bands. Goldfinger has Blink One Eight Two members in well, it. Well, it's Travis Barker, but he's, he's not in the, he's, he's not in the band anymore. It was just that one album. Okay, did, all right. Well, go ahead. I didn't mean to jump on the, and I just it's just <laughs> like when is when is there going to be something that doesn't have something to do with Blink One Eight Two in there? But they're separate bands. It's not the. I know, Angel, but it's, Angels it's, and Airways isn't even a side project. It's its own separate band. I, I get it. Your pen's leaking all over my hands. No, actually, that's what gel pens do. Oh, okay. You well, can't then. if you if you write on paper with gel pens, you can't touch it because it smears all over. Oh, well, I can see that now. But anyway, <laughs> go ahead, continue, continue with your music. So, uh, I Empire. It, it, and it's funny because Angels and Airways was not a band I really got into at all. Really, when when their first album came out, I listened to it. I think I had it on CD. Yeah, I remember when you bought it. And you know, it's a good album. It didn't really blow me away or anything, but right. uh, I Empire, like I said, it was released in November 2007. It's their second album, and it's like... Way better. I was blown away by this album. I was, it's Like I said, it's definitely up there with... I would put this and Plus 44 up there with any of the Blink-182 albums. Um, 
you know, surprisingly, I think the, the album got really kind of mixed reviews. And I think a lot of people just have issues, critic-wise, have a lot of issues with some of Tom DeLonge's antics and some of the things he does. But His personal ideas. Yeah, and like the whole aliens and all that kind of thing. So, yeah. uh, you know, and plus I think it's, uh, it's, their first album was critically acclaimed. And I think this album is definitely a departure from that. So I think as critics were maybe looking more so of, you know, their first album and they got something different. And I think that's, uh, and, and, and this album is really different from anything that Tom has done before or, or after, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, it's just, uh, it's just a fantastic album, uh, called arms, breathe sirens, secret crowds, uh, lifeline heaven. Those are all great tracks off the album. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's all I got. No, no more connections to Blink-182. Well, I got one Blink-182 album coming. But. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, my number four. Is that where we're at four? Yeah. Uh, number four, Songs for Silverman by Ben Folds. Uh, solo album from 2005. This is another situation where it was like the first album. Like I was familiar with Ben Folds 5 in the 90s. Yeah. And I, I they were okay. I never really like, you know, I knew a couple of the, the radio hits. So I was like, oh, all right. I never really listened to them that much. Yeah. So even with that in mind, going into Songs for Silverman, it was like, I guess I should check this out, yeah. you know. So I listened to that one. I don't know why I picked that one. It just that was the one I picked. And I was blown away by it. Obviously his other rock you know, rock in the suburbs and all that, huge album. But Song for Silverman was the one that got me. It was my first introduction truly into the Benfold slash Benfold's five universe. Yeah. And um, as a result, I would say Ben Folds as a as an artist is in my top, probably my top ten favorite yeah. artists, um, which says a lot, mm-hmm. you know. Considering I don't listen to a lot of shit, but I listen to enough, enough. where that's yeah. that's a huge honor. So yeah, now my number four is songs for Silverman. It's there isn't a bad song on the album. Yeah, uh, I argue that it's. I think it's better than Rock in the Suburbs. I know I'm I'm in the minority on that one, mm-hmm. but I think it's better than Rock in the Suburbs. Sounds good. All right, so my number four is, uh, it's an album that I already kind of briefly mentioned earlier. It's uh, Before Everything and After by MXPX. It's by far, I think, my favorite MXPX album. It came out in uh, September of 2003. It's the band's sixth studio album. Like I said, it's their fir- third and final album with A&M. Like I said, there's definitely the, uh, a, a different kind of quality to those three albums that I think they're really kind of missing in their all- other albums. I'm not saying that their other albums aren't good because they're definitely great albums but in my opinion i think this is blink 182's best album it uh it's got a great mix of that like uh pop punk kind of sound that was popular at that time and uh while still kind of keeping some of that like faster paced kind of punk edge at times also and it uh i i think what the demise of the decline and demise of a&m around that time i think really Really, this album really suffered commercially because of it. Because there wasn't that like push, there wasn't a campaign behind it. Even though they, the, it, it's Blink One Eighty Two's highest charting album. It, I think it reached fifty or fifty one on the charts, mm-hmm. which isn't. You mean MXPX? What I say? Blink One Eighty Two. Oh, because you got you got me talking about Blink earlier. MXPX's highest charting album. It uh, like I said, fifty or fifty one. It reached on uh, the Billboard charts, and it's uh, I, I it's something that I think if would have had a proper 
campaign behind it, I think could have reached a lot higher. Had some, it definitely had some commercial hits, not big hits off of it, but uh, there was definitely some some commercial radio play that uh, that they got off of the album. But uh, like I said, just fantastic album. Hmm. Okay. So we're at what number three? Number three. Um, I've got the Rankin Terrace "Help Me, Stranger" from 2019. Um, I've been on the record on this podcast saying um, it's probably the best album of 2019, in my opinion. It was the best rock album of 2019, at the very least. And I, obviously, I would say it's number two, but it's my my favorite of 2019. I, th- I think nine is probably is, well, for me is the best album. Then I wasn't asking you; I was telling no. you what my favorite I know. is. I was uh, throwing my opinion <laughs> in. It's all right. Uh, so that's what we do on the podcast here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, but it falls in number three for my two thousands for the twenty year period, which is still pretty high, relatively speaking. Yeah, it's a great album. Yeah, it's I one love that it. I, I love I, it. I bought it. I think when I, around the time it first came out, but I hadn't listened to it until just recently. But yeah. yeah, it's a great album. Yeah, I uh, I was definitely impressed. I listened to it on Spotify first, and I, I I think that same week I went and picked it up. Yeah, so and I've listened to it. A dozen times already since I've since I've owned it on vinyl, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's uh, oh, it's such a good album. I can't. I, there's not. I don't have the words to describe what I think of that album just because mm-hmm. it's it's so good. So my uh, my number three. It's an album from October two thousand six. It's the uh, the Black Parade by My Chemical Romance. It's the the band's third album, third third studio album at least, and it uh, it's. It's an album that does not have a bad track on it. And, of course, that's a lot of these in my top ten I can say the same for, but it's just uh, I think what really stood out for me is the black – like, My Comic Romance, the first couple of albums were were good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the stuff that they've released since The Black Parade was good. I mean, they're okay albums. And The Black Parade was something almost completely different. It just – I think head and shoulders better. And I don't know, uh, Gerald Way, who's the band's lead singer, has credited uh, Queen and Pink Floyd as heavy influences for the album. And it's a, it's a concept album. And it's uh, it, the, it, the concept kind of centers around a patient that's dying of cancer, his death, and then his like reflections back on his life after he dies. It's, a, it's just a great album. Fantastic. So it's album. their version of Passion Play. Kind of. Okay. <laughs> so, well, in Passion Play, he's not dying. Of, they're not dying of cancer. No, he's but he is dead. Yeah. Whoever he is, it's not very clear. But anyway. So what you got for number two, man? Oh, number two. My number two is probably your number one. Uh, American Idiot by Green Day. No, it's actually my number two. Also. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. There's, there's our agreement. There, there's our agreement because uh, I, I was going back and forth on one or two. Is, so, so I guess we we'll, we'll, we can both talk. It about is it. the best Green Day album probably ever. Yeah, um, and down. that's saying a lot because you know Nimrod, Dookie. I mean, those are great fucking albums. Mm-hmm. But American Idiot is just phenomenal. Which is up on my wall. Yes, it is. And it's actually on my shirt. Yes, it I'm is. Wear my American Idiot shirt. Um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's a concept album. It's a it's a Broadway musical. It's a punk album. It's a rock album. It's everything you could want in a, yeah. in a fucking album. It's uh, so it was originally released released in September of two thousand four. Yep. It's uh, and I think it's like one of the last kind of rock concept albums. Mm-hmm. I think the Black Parade, or was even probably, rock opera, you can almost consider yeah. it. Oh yeah, almost, yeah. Which that's I, where the musical of, part comes in. Yeah, it's kind of well. It's it's it, it was definitely one or two for me, and it. Uh, 
you know, so the album really started out as an album called Cigarettes and Valentines. Mm. But the master recordings were stolen from the from the studio. So the band decided to scrap the whole idea and just completely redo and focus on an entire new album. They did eventually end up finding those tapes, and I didn't know this till not too long ago. They did find those tapes and re-recorded and reworked the songs for Cigarettes and Valentines and released those as B-sides to the tracks on American Idiot. Mm, which uh, I've only heard a few of those. I haven't heard all of them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think... Boulevard of Broken Dreams, Holiday, of course, American Idiot, mm-hmm. uh, Wake Me Up When September Ends. Jesus of Suburbia is my favorite. Yeah, Homecoming. Those are all great mm-hmm. songs off the album. Uh, well, Jesus of Suburbia and then probably She's a Rebel. I yeah, really love that song. That's a good song, too. There's but, there's not a bad song no, on the album. No, it's it's fantastic from start to finish. Because, like I said, it, it hits everything. Yeah. You know, it, it is everything an album should be. Yeah. But that was my number two also. So. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and do your number my one? My number there. one, uh, drum roll. <laughs> it's not that fantastic, at least to most people. Uh, it's uh, Secret Language of Birds by Ian Anderson. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Because you know what? <laughs> I just, I just got to give you shit, Dan. <laughs> That's all it is. Okay. Uh, don't get all pissy now. Oh, I'm, I'm going to cry, damn it. I'm going to cry. Uh, no, it's, it's a good uh, album. I, I, it's a good album. It's, in my opinion, it's Ian Anderson's last great album. Yeah. He's done some good albums since then, but it's his last great album. Um, it's mostly acoustic. Every, it's just it's another album where it kind of is everything it needs to be for an Ian Anderson yeah. album or even a Jethro Tull album because. I'm sure all those songs are written to be whatever he decided that he wanted them to be once they were recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have just as easily have been. It could have just easily been a Jethro Tull album, but because it was more acoustic, I think that's why it ended up being a solo album. Yeah, but it is. It is everything that an Ian Anderson album slash Jethro Tull album should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rank it up with the greats of the '70s, um, at least on the same level as Songs from the Wood. You know, heavy horses. That the, kind of the, thing. the later seventies. The later yeah. later seventies, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I would put it. I put it above Aqualong any day of the week. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's it's my number one. It's you know the first album he did for the two thousands. It came out in March two thousand. Came out on my birthday in March two thousand. Oh really? Yeah, that's funny. March seventh. Huh. In two thousand. Um, which was, you know, had nothing to do with anything. He other decided than, no. It was that was all done intentionally. It you know? was. He, <laughs> there's this guy named he knew, Ian, Ian Trumbo. I'm going yeah, he knew. He knew I'd be as a. I'd be apologizing for him forever. <laughs> so yeah, I'd be his apologist. So no um, matter what he did. But anyway, yeah. It's uh, if you don't mind a little, you know, softer acoustic kind of stuff, and you're familiar, even remotely familiar with Jethro Tull's music, you should check out Secret Language of Birds because. Mm-hmm. It's it's really just surprisingly good for a latter day yeah. album. So yep, that's my number one. So my number one is uh it's Blink One Eighty Two self self titled <laughs> album. Sorry, I just had to give you shit. <laughs> but no, because you called for the drum roll, man. No, so I, I, I just because it was number one. It didn't mean it wasn't the drum roll it was for what was number one, just the fact that it was number one. Uh, yeah, so it's Blink-182's self-titled album. It was released in November 2003. 
It's the band's fifth studio album. It's uh, it's definitely a, a more mature sound overall from what they had done. At least their pre with with Dude Rants uh, or uh, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. It was like I said, definitely a more more mature album. It's not a bad song on it, and that's uh, you know when you're recording songs with Robert Smith of The Cure, you're definitely creating a different kind of album if right. you're, you're Blink One Eight Two. And it's, well, if uh, you're anybody, really, yeah. Um, and it's just, uh, it's one of my favorite albums of all time, really. It's just, uh, I miss you, uh, always I'm lost without you, uh, all of this, which is the song with Robert Smith. And, uh, uh those are all just great kind of like iconic Blink-22 songs off that album, but hmm. uh, it's a fantastic album for sure. Rock on. But, uh, as you can see, now that we're like done with our t- top 10 lists, you can see why Ian and I would have a hard time putting yeah, <laughs> a combined we, list together. We had one agreement. I mean, we agreed on on other albums being good. Yes. But where they would fit into a top ten list, there's just it's no, no way. There's no way we'd be able no, to do it. So. No. I mean, half. I would say half of everything we each mentioned, the other hasn't really truly listened to. Yeah. Even if they we've listened to it once or twice, and we're not familiar. And that's that. kind of why it, I... It, kind of originally interested me in doing a list like this because i know that there'd be a lot of diversity right between the two of us because like when you're talking about 70s music you know we kind of listen to the same stuff, roughly kind yeah. of stuff from the 70s even the 80s even and the 90s. 80s and 90s yeah. it was all kind of similar in it uh you know in the 2000s we were you know coming through our 20s into our 30s our and, tastes were changing developing maturing yeah so yeah no yeah. I, i'd say that uh well, we, the way we did it was probably the best way. And, yeah. you know, we mentioned a lot of albums that other people who, you know, maybe listen to the show maybe have never heard before. Yeah, I would definitely so it turned the top 10 really into a top 20, yeah. kind of. Well, actually, and then with our honorable mentions, like, <laughs> yeah, a, top like a top 40. like a top 50. Almost, yeah. Yeah. Because so. I had 20, I had 22 on my I had list. 19. And there was one I didn't even talk about because I knew I'd, you had to get a bunch of shit from you. Because I told you no compilation albums and I was going to talk about Damnesia from Alkaline Trio. Uh, did you ca- tell me that? I don't remember yeah. that. I remember saying no duplicates, which I didn't obviously didn't anyway. But um, I don't remember the compilation ones because I wouldn't have picked the compilation anyway. And maybe so. that's why I didn't tell you. But I, I was gonna have no compilation. That's kind of always our thing for yeah. music. No greatest hits. No, no greatest lives. Hits, yeah. Live maybe like a if if we're Peter Frampton fans, obviously Frampton, Frampton comes, comes alive, alive yeah. is the only good album that he ever did. Yeah. So, but yeah. And I put good in quotation marks. Very, very <laughs> heavy quotation marks. Because, yeah, there's only a couple of decent tracks off that too. But, and, but yeah, I don't know. I was going to talk about Damnesia, but it's a, it's an, it's an, it's a compilation live album. Acoustic. It's not live. But, oh, it's right, right. But it's acoustic and it's a compilation. But that's a fantastic album. Ever. But anyway. But, no, I think I, the way we did I, it worked And out. another reason I left that off, it was another uh, link to Blink-182 I knew you'd bitch about. So I didn't, hey, I wasn't going to bitch. It just seemed like, like. Wow, that guy from Blink One Eighty Two, that producer from Blink One Eighty Two, you know, it's like Blink's done yeah. a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. They they've got their their hands in a lot of different pots in the last twenty years, I guess. But uh, that's all I got, man. Uh, and definitely yeah. go back and uh, check out any of those uh, any of the albums we talked about that uh, that if you, if you haven't listened to them, yeah, absolutely. for sure, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know we talked before. We, you know, I think we did a whole episode about how rock is dead and all this other stuff. And I think I would say this is another reason to think that it's not. No, it's it's not. It yeah. just kind of slightly under more underground maybe than it yeah. has been for Which may may or may not be a good thing, honestly. I, it I'm might re- be a good thing. I'm really hoping next year we have 
a I lot think of good next music. Next year is going to be a good year for music. Speaking of Blink, have you heard their new song that came out? I know. I just saw they released a single. It's really fucking good. Is it? I'll, yeah. I'll give it a listen. And the funny thing is, is Matt, it that quarant? It's called quarantine. It's called quarantine. Yeah. yeah. It it doesn't have Matt Skiba in it. So there's a lot of people wondering if Matt Skiba is no longer in Blink One Eight Two. Oh, it's just the two of them? No, there's uh, a third guy. I don't know who he is, oh. but. Uh, he was from another band, but he plays guitar on it. But it's interesting because Matt Skiba has not posted about it on social media or anything either. Oh, so interesting. And they Blink One Eight Two has another credit on another song that recently came out within like the last couple of months from yeah, another band. I remember seeing something on there. And Matt Skiba doesn't have any kind of credit on there either, and he's not in the promotional footage or picture for the song either. So oh. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. But uh, I don't know. But that's all something I got. Something is afoot. Yeah, something is. But uh, I'm not sure. Or maybe just the the quarantine. He's just not. Yeah, it could be. He's just not willing to, or maybe not capable. Oh, I don't see. I don't know. Could be capable. But anyway, yeah. Who knows? But uh, anything else you want to add, man? Before we uh, no. end the show here, D- definitely go out and check out the uh, the albums, though. For yeah, sure. absolutely, all of them. All I mean, them. even if they're not in the top ten, if we mention them, check they're them good albums. Yeah. So. Well, in our opinion. Yeah, well, right. Because I'm sure my wife would not agree with anything we just talked about for the last. She hour, would agree hour with some of minutes. it, like some of the MXPX stuff, some of the Green Day stuff. I'm sure she would. Maybe, agree. American yeah. Idiot, yeah, yeah, and MXPX, but that's probably about it. Yeah. Well, she would definitely like the Ian Anderson one. <laughs> <laughs> my wife hates uh, Jethro Tull. Yes. With a passion, uh, like any any time I put a Jethro Tull on song on the car, she's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. <laughs> so I got to change that. <laughs> I wouldn't change it. I've been listening to a lot of Tall lately, though. I've been, yeah, I've been listening, I listen to, to Tall all the time. So uh, I've been listening. I listened to Benefit a couple of times the last. I couple saw of it on days. Instagram. I think you had stand up on there too recently, didn't you? Uh, did I? I think so. I don't know. I post a lot of records on Instagram, so yeah. I got over. I think I got over two hundred albums on. Instagram. Yeah, I don't now. care about uh, social media that much. So. I just have fun with it. Yeah, that's fun. I post when I, I like think looking, about it, and I will I tell you that there's I. There's people I follow on Instagram that I'm like, oh shit, I would love to. I didn't, you know, I'd see an album and be like, oh, I've never seen that variant. I'd love to be able to find that. And right. So it's, it's kind of cool to see other I things. I did see and, that. They had a, I don't know if it was a live version or if it was just a, a another country's version of Thick as a Brick. It was a different cover. Oh, really? Yeah. It had like promotional, I've seen the, the picture before, but, um, and it was from some of the promotional stuff. But like I said, I don't know if it was just like a, you know, uh, alternative pressing from another country, or if yeah. it was a live album. Gotcha. So. That's all I got, man. Anything else want to add? You good? No, I'm good. Yeah. Well, uh, any questions or comments, you can email us at contact at ligpodcast.us. Check us out on Twitter at ligpod. We're on Facebook, Podbeam, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Even though Google's changing, I don't know what they're doing. I just got a thing, I just got an email saying that I had. Uh, they're changing their service, so I don't know if Google Podcast is going away and it's going to go to something else, or I'm not sure what's going on with that. But uh, definitely check us out on Spotify, iHeartRadio, just about everywhere else. Leave us a five star review on uh, on iTunes. Yes, or six. There's only five stars on there. Again. I don't give a shit. Just do whatever. You know what? I'm an American. You know, it's unconstitutional to tell me I only can leave five stars on my. I'm, I don't like masks, and I don't like being told how many stars I can leave. I want to do six stars. Yeah. No masks and six stars. Burning hell. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, for the record, I uh, mask, mask, mask. Wear them. <laughs> Everyone be safe out there. Yes. 
Well, until next time, talk to y'all later. Peace. This shit right here, man, I'm about about it. Only real niggas reside around me. Yo, lady, drop a card around me. Dip like I know you can, bitch. Show me the rust like we in the ring. Got you some cobras, you wanna hang? Shoulder to shoulder, the niggas basic. You know I won't lie. You know that I ain't for that fuck shit. You niggas alright, but I'm way better and she love it. Know that y'all sick as fuck. Here go this tissue, bro. We taking the dub. Hoping you get you some. This here like a pick me up. She taking my drugs. Know they see the sign. That's some dollar sign. Know they sick as fuck. Now they sick as fuck. Tell them get well soon. Tell them get well soon. Now you sick as fuck. Get well soon. Oh shit. Watch out, you the god, Billy. Oh shit. Right now, and I'm smiling in your face, bitch. With a ghost smile, you should probably make placement to your eye. Niggas sick as fuck. Standing with niggas. Who died for that party? Who died for some bitches who showing their bodies? Swear to God, nigga, this Molly got me up and rolling. These bodies of water. Bring that shit in bottles.